to talk about focus this morning. Specifically, I have a hard time saying that word. Specifically, the thoughts of Jesus. I don't know if you've ever heard somebody say, well, who knows what God's thinking? You know, maybe you've said that before. Who knows? You know, maybe you've been in a trial. You're not, you're not sure what, what is on the mind of God in, in that trial. But you, you say, who knows what God is thinking? And, and I want you to know that you're not alone in that because the Old Testament talks about that as well. Isaiah in Isaiah 40, 13 says, who understands the mind of the Lord? Well, I want you to know that in the New Testament, Paul answers that question by saying, we can. We can know the mind of the Lord. Christ understands the mind of the Lord. And he lives in us. He says, he, you know what? I don't have my little clicker this morning. Oh, it's on the thing here. Okay. Where is it? On the keyboard. I just happened to realize I just, don't, I just don't have it. So there we go. I was just so focused. On preaching this sermon, I just didn't know where I was here. There we go. All right. What would we do without technology? Or slides. That's right. That's right. We can understand these things because we have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. But what does that really mean? We have the mind of Christ. Well, it means that you can, you can think like him. You can, you can have the same thoughts as, as Jesus. You can have the same feelings. You can have the same attitudes. You can have the same reactions as Jesus did. We don't hone into this enough in the body of Christ. Why? Because for many, it's just simply about living for Jesus. Living for Jesus, a life that is true, trying to please him in what? All that I do. That's an old hymn. I've sung it a million times. But honestly, folks, that's a a nicely packaged form of religion. God never intended for us to simply be religious people living for Jesus. He designed it for us to be the temple of the Holy Spirit for him to live in, to dwell in. And it's from that command center, as it were, that all decisions are made. We have the mind of Christ. It's not... I hope to have the mind of Christ. Someday, maybe in heaven, I'll have the mind of Christ. No, right now, we have, if you are a believer, you have the mind of Christ. So, in your lives, you must think and you must act like Christ Jesus. In other words, if you have the mind of Christ, start using it. Okay? So, what what, what is this... What is, what, so what does this having the mind of Christ actually look like? Well, I'm going to give you ten thoughts of Jesus. Ten thoughts of Jesus. 
That if you have the mind of Christ, you have these same thoughts. You should have these same thoughts. Because Jesus, this is what he thought. Now the Bible is very clear on what Jesus thought. And by extension, these are to be our thoughts. Now it's going to take us until about 2 o'clock this afternoon for us to go through every... Oh, amen. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm going to go through this quickly. Uh, very, very, very quickly. The ten thoughts of Jesus. And these are all quotes from, from Jesus. Now, as we go through this, I want you to hear Jesus saying these ten phrases. And then I want you to think the same thing about yourself. So, what did Jesus think? Jesus said, I know exactly who I am. If there is one epidemic that we have in our society, it's that people don't know who they are. The greatest determinant of mental health is knowing who God is and knowing who we are. That's the greatest determinant of health. Jesus knew exactly who he was. In fact, 18 times in Scripture, in the New Testament, he told us who he was. I want to look at a few of those this morning. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection. I am the life. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. I am the true vine. I am the Son of God. Don't be swayed by any book that comes along, by any movie that comes along, or any person that comes along that portrays Jesus as being confused about who he was. Because that's garbage. That's garbage. He knew exactly who he was. And God wants you to know your true identity. And only God, your creator, can tell you who you are. No one else. No one else can define you. But God can because he created you. The one who created you knows exactly about you and what you're all about and who you are. Why is that important? Because if we don't know who we are, we're going to waste our life. Why? Because there are always, there's always somebody who will try to manipulate you into being what they think that you should be. Maybe it's a parent. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's a boss. Maybe it's one of your peers. Number two, you will end up living a phony life. You always be pretending. When my kids were little, I don't even know if they use the same word anymore, but the word poser was a, a big word. Oh, Dad, he's just, po- he's just a poser. You know, I thought, what's a poser? But they, 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 they let me know. You're not, being, they, you're not being who God made you to be. You're acting like somebody else. The third reason is, you know, confused identity always always creates stress in our life. 
God never intended that to be. When you, when you try to be something that you're not, it's, it's natural to live with stress because you're not really being you. This is not what God intended for us at all. He wants us to know exactly who we are so that we can live a life with meaning and purpose, fitting into the, 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 that piece of the puzzle that you're supposed to fit in because that's where you belong. That's who you are. Number two, I know, listen to Jesus saying this, I know God's purpose for my life. Can you hear him say that? He wants you to say that. He wants you to be able to say, I know God's purpose for my life. I know, he says, where I came from, and I know where I am going. Do you know where you came from? Do you know where you are going? Jesus settled his purpose very early in life. In fact, the Bible says that at age 12, he uh, remembered that his, his parents didn't know where he was, and they were looking all over for him, and they finally found him where? Yeah, in the temple. He was teaching the elders in the temple. And he says, I must be about my father's business. He knew his purpose for his life. I remember when I was eight years old, I told my mother, when I grow up, I want to be a preacher. I was fascinated by the things of God. Uh, most of you know that I came from a family of 14 preachers, dating all the way back to you know, Adam and Eve. But anyway, God, God can put his purpose in the mind of a, of a child. I, I really do feel he put his purpose in, in my mind. Pa parents, are you preparing your children to listen to God? Because they are, very, they are able to listen to God, to know who they are and what their purpose is in life. Are you nurturing that? Of course, as Jesus aged, he became more specific about his, his purpose, didn't he? Announcing his purposes to everybody around. He said this. He says, I must proclaim the good news about God's kingdom, for I was sent for this purpose. Let that sink in. I was sent for this purpose. And my purpose is what? To give life in all of its fullness. Would you just soak that in for a second? Because purpose is so, so very important. Number three. You can hear Jesus saying, I'm always aware that God is with me. I'm always aware that God is with you. Jesus lived in the presence of God. He lived there. He was constantly in the favor of God. No matter how busy he was, he stayed in tune with the Father. You know, we've talked about this in, in, in depth in our Sunday school class, where we were talking about the transformation of our, our, our minds, and that we have a choice all day long to be listening to the spirit or to be listening to the flesh or to be listening to the world. 
He says, I'm not alone because the Father is always with me. You know, the greatest antidote to loneliness is having the mind of Christ. And the mind of Christ knows I'm not alone. I'm not alone in this world. I have God, and he is always with me. If you're feeling alone, and it's easy to feel that way, especially when you're going through problems, you feel like, I'm the only one going through this. You can know in that moment that you're, that, that you're not in the mind of Christ when you're feeling this kind of loneliness. If you're like me, you're, you're out of your mind. You know, you know, you're out of your mind. Jesus was always aware of God's constant care. How can that happen? How can you always stay aware of God's comfort? I can tell you right now, prayer. Prayer. Jesus constantly prayed, folks. But there were specific times that he got away to pray. It says that Jesus often slipped away to be alone so that he could pray. This wasn't an occasional thing. It was a habit of Jesus. You know, the new science of the brain says that it takes about 21 days for something to become a habit. We've known that for a long time. But actually, it takes 63 days for something to be really hardwired into your brain and into your life. So let me ask you, how often during the day do you slip away to pray? You say, well, I don't have the luxury to do that in, in my job. You might say, you might say, okay, well, how, how about praying on the spot? How about praying on the spot? You know, every 10 seconds, your brain is processing something, like a thought. It's constantly working. Every 10 seconds, we could pray as we're doing our job, couldn't we? You come to understand what the Bible means when, when Paul says to pray continually. Look, if Jesus thought that prayer was a priority, even to slipping away and praying, how much more do we need it, folks? I, I like what Rick Warren says. He says, you miss the gifts of God when you don't get with God. It's so true. Folks, are you too busy for God? If you're too busy for God, you're too busy. You're too busy. Listen to this. You'll get more done here and there if you pause for prayer. <laughs> You'll get more done here and there if you pause for prayer. Getting off by yourself allows you to reflect. It allows you to renew your batteries. It re allows you to recharge. You know, Pascal said that the majority of man's problems stems from his inability to sit still. If you are not taking time to be still, and what's the Bible say about being still? It says, be still and what? Know that I am God. That's a commandment of, 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 the, of Scripture. It's not just a suggestion. Be still and know that I am God. 
One of the things that, uh, that this world constantly is trying to do is distract us. To pour problems on us to the point where we feel so burdened and, and we're not still. God says, look, you need to block out everything and you need to just be still and focus on me and know that I am in control. I've said this before, but what is over our head is still under God's feet. You need to remember that. So, Jesus knew who he was, he knew what his purpose was, and he was always aware of God's presence. Number four, let, I let God help me choose my words. This is so important, folks. It is so important. I guess because I heard a lot of destructive words growing up. And I know what destructive words can do to a person. Destructive words can rearrange a child's nervous system almost for the rest of his life. It is so important. Even Jesus didn't run off at the mouth. Are you running off at the mouth? Let me, let me give you a little secret. You don't always have to say what comes up in this brain of yours. You don't always have to say it. He didn't just say the first thing that came to his mind. If he did, he would have probably knocked over ten people. You never saw Jesus stick his foot in his mouth. He let God choose his words for him. He said, I have not spoken on my own. Instead, the Father who sent me tells me, listen, what to say and how I should say it. <laughs> Folks, life and death is in the power of the tongue. If you don't think that, just start running your mouth off sometime. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. What you say is so important. But it's not just what you say. It's how you say it. I gave this illustration in Sunday school a few years ago. Here's a little fun test. You can have your dog at home. And you can stand there and say... I love you, I, I, I adore you, I think you are the most wonderful dog in the world. And that dog will think that you are scolding him. How many times have you, well, I said I loved him. Well, I said, I, I, I said that I cared for him. I, I you know, I said it. No, it was the tone of your voice. On the other hand, you can look at your dog and you can say, Oh, you're the ugliest thing I've ever seen. I've never seen a stinky dog. So you're just so stinky. Now you're saying something insulting to the dog but you're saying it so sweetly that he thinks you're saying something nice to him. 
Isn't that funny? Well, guess what? Human beings are kind of the same in a way. How, it's not just what you say, it's how you say it. And we need to be praying, Lord, teach me how to talk. Teach me what to say. Would you have less conflict in life if you let God tell you what to say and how to say it? Yes or no? Yes. I'll ask that question again. Would you have less conflict in life if you let God tell you what to say and how to say it? Yes or no? Yes. Absolutely. Would you have more success? In life, if you let God tell you what to say and how to say it, yes or no? Yes. If you find that your mouth is constantly a problem, you need to learn a few things. Number one, shut up. (laughs) Number two, learn to think like Jesus. Because if you have the mind of Christ, you learn. Not only what to say, but you learn how to say it. Now, I was joking about the shut up part. Well, maybe I was, and I don't know. Okay, number five. I don't worry about pleasing everyone. Can you hear Jesus saying that? I don't worry about pleasing everyone. So guess what? That's one of your phrases for yourself. I don't worry about pleasing everyone. Now, this one hits me between the eyes because you know what? I have traditionally, traditionally been a people pleaser my whole life. It's true. I don't like to make people upset. I like to please everybody. But that's a problem. But let me tell you something that I've learned. If you are constantly worried what people will think, you won't be pleasing God. But if you learn to think like Christ, then you have this as your guide. Jesus said this, I only try to please the one who sent me. Jesus was never concerned about pleasing the crowd or having the disapproval of of, of anybody else. He lived for an audience of one. Jesus was only concerned about pleasing his Father. When we live to please everybody, you know what? It's exhausting. It really is exhausting. Let me tell you a little secret. You will never, ever please everyone even if you tried to please everyone. Even God doesn't please everyone. Pastors face this all the time. Pastors are keenly aware that there's always somebody who is ticked off about something. Somebody is ticked off about the music selections. Somebody is ticked off about the chairs aren't arranged right. Somebody is ticked off about the carpet. Somebody is ticked off about... You know, we don't have enough leaders. Or somebody's ticked off about we have too many leaders. Another person is, talked, you know, is, is ticked off about whatever. 
Pastors are constantly hit with complaints all the time. But here's what Jesus said. No one can serve two masters. No one can serve two masters. You have to decide whose approval you are ultimately concerned about. God's approval or man's approval. When you have the mind of Christ, you are secure in who you are. You know what God's purpose is for your life, and you don't worry so much about pleasing the entire world. Jesus didn't need validation from the people around him. He got validation from his father. This is my son whom I am well pleased, God said. And Jesus pleased the one who was pleased in him. And that's all that mattered to him. Who are you desperately seeking validation from? Who are you trying to please? Number six, I can hear Jesus saying, I depend on God's power instead of my own power. See, everything I'm sharing with you today, these are words of Jesus. These aren't aren't, uh, uh, scriptures about Jesus. They are quotes from Jesus. These are right out of his mouth. And here's what he said. He said, I assure you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing. Again, If Jesus himself was so dependent upon the Father's power, shouldn't you and I? So let me ask you something. How do you know that you're depending on your own power? How do you know that? Well, one thing for sure, you're tired all the time. It's exhausting. When you depend on your own power, it seems like you are swimming upstream, doesn't it? You're pushing this big rock up a hill. And you're relying on your own steam to drive the steam engine down the track. And human strength absolutely runs out. Number seven. I forgive my enemies and those who hurt me. Can you hear Jesus saying that? You have the mind of Christ. This is what you need to say. I forgive my enemies and those who hurt me. If you have the mind of Christ, then you have to understand that Jesus always has forgiveness on his mind. Always. Not bitterness, not judgment, not condemnation, forgiveness. That's what's on his mind. When Jesus hung on the cross before the very people who put him there, he said this, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. That's having the mind of Christ. You know, it's been said a million times, but it's a reality. When we hold on to pain, when we hold a grudge, when we are bitter, we're holding on to anger. Who are we hurting? 
ourselves. And, and as we've been learning in Sunday school, when, when you are bitter and angry and holding grudges, you actually literally do brain damage. In fact, when you hold on to hurts for a lifetime, it changes your entire personality. What started out as a bad mood 50 years ago turns out to be an entire personality change today because you never, ever let go of that bitterness. But you know what I love about Jesus? He not only forgives, he goes one step further. And he, he's all about blessing his enemies. Not just forgiving them, blessing them. And he does good toward those people who hate him. And he's calling us, children who possess his mind, to do the same. He says, love your enemies. He said, bless those who curse you. He says to do good to those who hate you. And pray for those which despitefully use you or persecute you. Now, I'll be honest with you. I've actually heard people say this, Christians say this, that's an impossible standard. That is an impossible standard to to live up to. Well, let me tell you something. You're not living up to a standard. You're living out the standard. If you have the mind of Christ, if Jesus is in you, you're not living up to a standard. You're living out the standard because Jesus is living what? His life through you. When you have the mind of Christ, folks, you have this power. Maybe you don't think you do, but you have this power. You have a choice to make, and it is your choice. It's not that we can't love. It's not that we can't love our enemies. It's not that we can't forgive people. The problem is that we have not fully engaged with the mind of Christ in our life. That's the problem. That's the root of the problem. Some people say the person doesn't deserve forgiveness. Well, maybe not. They probably don't. But guess what? Neither do you. I mean, Jesus forgave you. Forgiveness is always on the mind of Jesus. Number eight, I am willing to sacrifice for others. All of us know what it's like to sacrifice for ourselves. We do that Pretty well. We've got that one down. But Jesus is saying, if you want to think like me, you think, how can I sacrifice, not just for myself, how can I sacrifice for other people? Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd, and I lay down my life for the sheep. He's saying, I give up my life. I sacrifice myself. For the sake of others. Jesus was all about serving. He says, I came here not to serve, but to serve others. Not to be served, but to serve others. And to give my life as a ransom for 
many. That right there, folks, is the heart of the gospel. It is. There's two important verbs in that phrase. Look what it is. (laughs) To serve and to give. This was so crucial in his message that he told his disciples that it was only in giving your life away that you would really know what life was all about. Again, some people will say, well, I know Jesus. I know Jesus. I mean, he, he could do all that, but I know Jesus. I can't do that. Besides, it's not my job to lay down my life. That's what, that was his job. Okay. Folks, if we are going to be like Christ, if we're going to love like him, we have to learn to give ourselves for the benefit of other people. We can give without loving, but we can't love without giving. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for each other. Number nine, I want to do God's will, not mine. Can you hear Jesus saying that? I want to do God's will, not mine. I came to do what God wants me to do, not what I want to do, he said in John 6.38. That is so absolutely and utterly countercultural today. The message today is, I'm going to do what I want to do, and you can't tell me what to do. It's so me-centered, our world is. Very few people are saying this, I'm not going to do what I want. I'm not going to do what I want. I'm going to do what God wants me to do. How many of you say that? I want the world to know that I love the Father and that is why I do everything exactly as the Father tells me to do. Let me ask you something. Do you want the world to know that you love God? Huh? Do you want the world to know that? Or do you, do you hide? Well, my faith is personal. My faith is personal. I, I keep it to myself. Just me and my little corner cubby hole. I keep to myself. Is that the mind of Christ? No. Jesus thought it was important that the world know that he loves the Father. And that's why he did what the Father told him to do. Now, doing God's will can sometimes be a blast. It can be an absolute delight. Doing God's work can absolutely be rewarding, and it puts a smile on your face. But guess what? There are some times that doing the will of God can cost you everything. It can be very hard. It can be painful. It was God's will that Jesus went to the cross, wasn't it? And there was nothing fun about the cross. 
He will ask you sometimes to do things that are extremely painful. But folks, having the mind of Christ means that I want to do God's will, even when it's painful. And Jesus set the example for this. The night before going to the cross, here's what he said. He said, Abba, which means what? Father, Daddy. means literally Daddy. Father, everything is possible for you. Please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet, I want your will to be done, not mine. Do you see, there's three things that I want want to point out. Abba, Father, everything is possible for you. That was a show of faith, wasn't it? I know, I know everything's possible for you. Nothing is impossible for you. And then please take this cup of suffering away from me. He asked the Father. Once you show faith in the Lord, you ask the Father. But then... There comes a point where he surrendered. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. When you are going through very difficult circumstances, that, if you want to call this a formula, that's your formula. Come to God in faith. Make your requests known to God. But be prepared to surrender. Be prepared to surrender. Jesus did not want to die. He didn't want to suffer. But his will was secondary to the will of his dad. And are you willing to choose your dad's will over yours? Jesus humbled himself and was fully obedient to God, even when he... And when that caused his death on a cross. So God exalted him and raised him up to the highest place and made his name greater than every other name. See, God resists the proud, but he exalts the humble. And finally, folks, I think with an eternal perspective, I have an eternal perspective. This world is not... All there is. The problem that you are going through is not the end of the chapter. There's more on the other side of your pain. There's more on the other side of what you're going through. When you think like Jesus, you start thinking with an eternal perspective. This is how Jesus got through pain, and it's how you can too. What's unbearable is pain without purpose. That's when it's unbearable. But when you see a purpose in the pain that you're going through and a reward past that pain, it makes your pain a lot more bearable. Jesus was willing to die a shameful death on the cross because of the joy that he knew would be his afterwards. Now he is seated in the place of highest honor beside God's throne in heaven. Folks, 
We need to get an eternal perspective. I want to close with this. I want to close with the word repent. Now, we always think of of negative terms when we think of the word repent. We think of some preacher that's up here sweating and he's pounding on the, on, the, on the pulpit. Repent! You know, it's like it's a negative thing. The word repent simply means this. It comes from a Greek word, metanoia. Meta means changing. Noia is your mind. Repenting is nothing more than changing your mind. Changing your mind from darkness to light, from hell to heaven. Changing your mind from guilt to forgiveness, from being in prison to being free. Changing your mind from no purpose to purpose, from meaninglessness to meaningful, from stress to peace. How is that all possible? How is it all possible? How can I learn to think like Jesus? How can I learn to think like Jesus? Study his life. Study his words. Keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished this race we're in, who's the, who's the author and the finisher of your faith, right? Study Jesus. Lord, open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in in your word. You know, ask God to show me the meaning and how it applies to my life. Lord, just open up your word to me. Open up my eyes, open up my ears, open up my heart to receive what you want for me. You know, Jesus said that the Spirit will take from what I have to say and make it known to you. Folks, it starts with the Spirit of God. And if you think about it like a computer, He downloads things into your mind. He gives you the mind of Christ. And that mind can literally rewire our brains and make us different people. We could have a whole sermon just on that. But we need to have God and God's will and God's word hardwired into our brain so that the rest of this body can live in peace and joy and hope and comfort and love, and forgiveness, and power. He did not give us a spirit of fear. He gave us a spirit of power and of love, and what? A sound mind. Live it. Believe it. Stand on it. Let's pray. Lord, We humble ourselves before you right now, Lord, knowing that we have not always listened to your word. We have not always been who you wanted us to be. 
we have not acted out of the mind of Christ. We've chosen to think in the flesh instead of thinking in the spirit. And we've chosen to have fleshly feelings rather than having feelings of Jesus. We've chosen to act in our own strength instead of acting like Jesus. Lord, forgive us. Reset. Reset us back to your will for our lives. We repent. We change our mind back to Jesus. It's his name we pray. Amen.